Well, we're just buzzing with excitement today with our guest on Savvy Citizen, and I promise to try to keep the puns at a minimum. We're speaking with Burton Beasley about honeybees. He's a master beekeeper here in Gaston County, part of the Beekeepers Association. He'll be talking to us about the importance of honeybees, what you need to know if you're interested in getting into beekeeping, and some different fun facts. We have Burton Beasley here with us today. You're the um, president of the Beekeepers Association. Is that correct? Uh, yes, ma'am. That is correct. And that's in, that's in Gaston County Gaston or is it a state thing? Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, about yourself, how you got involved in, in bees and where you're from, things of that nature. Right. Thanks, everyone, for having me here, first off, uh, to talk about uh, something that I love to talk about, which is honeybees, but uh, also uh, able to do a little outreach and everything else for the uh, Gaston County Bee Association. Uh, the way I actually got started with honeybees, uh, you would think it's kind of fitting, you know, last name Beasley. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's a beekeeper. I'm sure you get that question a lot. Yeah. Right? Okay. And everybody loves that. Oh, your last name's Beasley. So uh, I actually happened to be taking some uh, continued ed stuff at Gaston College for a uh, North Carolina contractor's license that I was uh, pursuing. Uh, I had previously read an article in South Carolina Living, I believe it was. It might have been Carolina Living, one or the other, and they were talking about, you know, sort of this, uh, the picture of the beekeeper, what you imagine. It's this old man smoking a corn cob pipe with yep. a big white beard and maybe a little veil over his face and, and, and a couple hives in his backyard. And, and it's one of those hobbies where people were just sort of aging out and they needed young people to get involved. And I said, wow, that's... Uh, that's really cool. I never really thought about it. I had a new house and, and a little bit of property. And, uh, well, that sounds pretty cool. Maybe I can think about that, something to do. Uh, and just happened to be taking those contractor's classes out there, and I happened to meet a gentleman. He just happened to overhear some of his uh, conversation was talking about honeybees, and we have honeybees. And I said, wow, that's really cool. I read this article. I think, uh, I think I'd like to get started. And uh, he said, well, we can get you started. And so happened his uh, his wife had was the uh vice president of the Gaston County Bee Association at the time uh and their name is Mike Mike Friesenhahn and Lori Friesenhahn um and they're Dallas residents uh but uh so uh they kind of got me started uh I got my first couple of beehives from them uh, a little bit of uh mentoring and a whole lot of learning on my feet about uh bees and beekeeping and so I've been doing it ever since and uh probably a whole lot of stings too yeah (laughs) yeah not as many as you expect right yeah yeah as a beekeeper we do get stung and that's just that's just part of the course I don't ever say you want to get you get uh used to it but you just get to where you just don't pay it as much attention (laughs) Mm. but uh a little bit about myself and and my background here with bees uh as uh as Janet mentioned I am the uh Gaston County Bee Association president I've been president now for four years, and before that, I was six-ish years as vice president for the Gaston County Bee Association, so I've been an officer in the club for a long time, doing a lot of uh, community education and outreach, uh, which is where the Gaston County Bee Association focuses its uh, its effort is educating new beekeepers and the general public about honeybees and the importance of pollinators and, of course, training new beekeepers. So I've been doing that a long time. Um, I am Gaston County's only master level beekeeper through the North Carolina State Bee Association's Master Master Beekeeper Program. Working on my master craftsman, so uh, there's 
I think about 200 master beekeepers across the state. And so I'm one of those. And out of that even more exclusive club, I want to say there's less than probably 15 to 20 master craftsmen across the state. So really, really proud about that. Uh, and what then it, I just. What does it take to, to, to get to that level? A lot of studying about bees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you asked that question. It, um, the Master Beekeeper Program is a great program through the North Carolina State Bee Association. Um, it does. Uh, it has no, no bearing on. Well, I'm the I'm a better beekeeper than uh, the guy that's got two beehives in his backyard. But uh, it is a personal milestone program. Uh, learning more about honeybees and pollinators and and biological aspects about bees and the pest and and the pathogens that that the bees are are dealing with. Uh, but then also some of the practical management. Uh, there is a community outreach component to that, giving back to the community, teaching, educating other beekeepers, but then also uh, educating myself and continuing to to be a, a student of, uh, of beekeeping. So uh, it's a lot to it. And I, and I recently got my uh, Eastern Apiculture Master's, which is so if we think of North Carolina they State, they have their, their program. The Eastern Apiculture is basically the whole eastern seaboard so they have their own organization it's a little more in depth they actually have a, a lab exam and a field exam and um and an oral component making sure that you're going to do a good job doing stuff like this being a uh, uh okay so this is a being, part of your job yeah okay yeah. well i mean being, being an ambassador for honeybees they want to make sure that you're not gonna i was gonna say surely you don't have to do speeches to a n- bunch of beehives no 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 <laughs> I don't have to tell the ladies to go to work, but, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, being an ambassador for honeybees and, and uh, of course, uh, making sure I don't uh, give a bunch of people a bunch of bad information. And, sure. Uh, so making so, sure I know what, I, kind of vetting me to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why bees are so popular here? Um, I know once I went to your, one of your trainings, it's they're fascinating. I could listen to people talk about bees forever, but to some people that may sound crazy, so, yeah, how did they get so popular? Sounds like you caught a certain buzz. I think <laughs> – I was going to say we're going to try really hard not to make puns, but we'll I, be happy. I'm not going to try that hard. <laughs> uh, so, North, North Carolina um, is, is lucky. We, we actually have the largest uh, beekeeping community in the, uh, North America. North Carolina is, has the biggest lar- – or largest uh, state bee association in the country – uh, we have more beekeepers per capita. Uh, most of those are your backyard beekeepers keeping uh, two to four hives. Uh, and then uh, you have people we call sideliners, which are people like me. Uh, and I run, you know, 100 to 200 colonies. I have a normal job. I get off a job. I go back oh. to work, uh, working uh, with my uh, bee ladies in their hives. <laughs> and uh and then we do have some uh, commercial people that that's all they do is, is honeybees for their career. Um, North Carolina, look, we're lucky. We do have a healthy population of honeybees. And then here in Gaston County in particular, we ha- I'd say out of the, the counties in North Carolina, we rank in the top, top five. Hmm. Uh, speaking of North Carolina State Bee Association, Gaston County won the uh, Golden Achievement Program oh. Award uh, sh- uh, last year for 2020. And that just shows the uh, the level of dedication that our beekeepers and our volunteers have to go out and you know do those kind of training events like uh, like you mentioned there, Janet, and uh, and and give back and and educate. And I can't say enough uh, 
it's not me as the president, but uh, I'm glad to be a part of that organization where we go out and teach other people about bees and, and beekeeping and, uh, and to have those great volunteers. Uh, and, and the popularity of honeybees is not going anywhere. I mean, I think it was uh, around 2006, the term colony collapse disorder became a big popular mm-hmm. sort of coin phrase. The bees are dying. Uh, and you don't really hear, hear a whole lot about that anymore. Um, and the reason for that, yes, we're still having a natural decline of anywhere from 30 to 40% annually. Most of those are your larger commercial beekeepers that are hauling bees all across the country, whether it's almond pollination, blueberries, apples, citrus fruits, you name it. And so uh, they, they have to recoup a lot of losses. Uh, what we are seeing as a statistic is, yes, there is, we're still seeing that like about 40%, but uh, through selective, selective breeding uh, and uh, continuing to kind of split our hives, uh, a lot of the, uh, even the commercial crowd, so they might lose 40%, but they recoup 41%. Oh, okay. So they're slowly growing. So the population in uh, the United States of honeybees is growing. Hmm. Uh, but the great thing about honeybees is, you know, of course, they're one of the, they're the only insect that produces a, a food product for humans. Uh, but so they're sort of like the rock stars. They get a lot of attention, but they bring a lot of attention to other pollinators uh, that are out there. We have a lot of native bee species here in uh, North Carolina, but across the country uh, that actually are better pollinators than oh. honeybees um, for certain crops. But honeybees do help raise awareness for them, and particularly things like uh, bioecodiversity, big word there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's basically promoting uh, conservation of, of plant species and other uh, organisms, whether it's other pollinators or non-pollinators, but uh, they do certainly bring a, a lot of interest in those other insects which are good uh that diversity uh helps pollinate all these various crops that maybe honeybees are not so uh great at uh things like tomatoes and and squash uh squash there's actually a little bee that looks similar to a honeybee uh called the squash bee that actually gets right down in the blossoms and so every time you pick up one of those uh crookneck squash or zucchini or or any of those plants in that family you can bet one of those little squash bees visited those blossoms. Uh, but uh, other crops like uh, cucumbers and, and melons and various other things honeybees do quite well at. Tomatoes, uh, that's everybody always, well, my tomato plants are not doing good. I need some beehives. So uh, honeybees don't pollinate tomatoes. They're uh, Anything that's in that nightshade family, uh, those are have to be done with what we call buzz pollination. So that's your... Uh, bumblebees and, okay. and some of the other native bee species, they can actually cling onto the flower and they generate uh, a harmonics with their buzzing and it causes the pollen granules to release from flowers. So it's really cool. Wow. Um, but honeybees can't do that. Uh, certain crops, uh, particularly tomatoes, uh, I know a lot of uh, the people that do greenhouse tomatoes, they actually put bumblebee colonies inside the greenhouses. So it's pretty cool. But So that sounds like a lot of stuff to know about certain pollinators, certain what certain plants, all of that. So if we, if I have some of those questions, can I call the Beekeepers Association to ask what type of bees or, or plants go together? Yes, ma'am. Uh, and that's, uh, that's one of the things uh, that's great about this organization uh, in Gaston County. Uh, we have a wonderful working relationship with the North Carolina, North Carolina Cooperative Extension, uh, and they're based there in Dallas where we hold all of our uh, – our meeting, our monthly meetings. So we meet the last Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. inside the Citizens Resource Cooperative Extension Office. 
Uh, and a lot of their programs are agricultural-based, uh, farming-based, uh, pesticide stuff. Uh, so we fit right in there, and, uh, you know, um, we're glad to have that relationship. Uh, you can call the Cooperative Extension. They can put you in contact with us at Gaston County Bee Association. Uh, or we have a we have a Facebook page. Uh, look up Gaston County Beekeepers or uh, GastonBee.org. Uh, and all of our contact, and of course, if you uh, Google us, uh, it probably has my phone number listed right now, so you'll probably get me, <laughs> but uh, certainly we have a lot of people that are a wealth of knowledge that can answer questions on, on honeybees and pollinators. So um, since it's summer right now, and I've got bees all over my patio, just in my flowers, what are some tips for safety around them and for the environment also to make sure that there's, you know, we're not contributing to something like colony collapse or using pesticides and whatnot. Let's rewind. Let's, we're in the spring of the year. We'll rewind back to spring. Things are blooming and, uh, you know, people are going to encounter bees, uh, particularly if you're out barefooted walking through a clover patch. Uh, that could be a no-no. You could get stung by a honeybee, you could get stung by a bumblebee or another type of bee. When bees are out, actively foraging uh, honeybees in particular they don't have anything to protect unless you're just over there squishing it in your hand that bee does not pose you uh, any risk it's not going to just fly over there and without cause sting you uh, yes if you were in its flight path and it got hung up in your hair yeah it could just you know happen to get hung up in your hair and sting mm-hmm. you but it's uh, honeybees because of the way they're their stinging mechanism works if you want to think of about it sort of like a, uh, a fish hook so if they sting you, they sting you one time, and then it pulls out part of their venom sac and their guts and all that nasty stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things where you hear people, well, I was stung multiple times. Well, you weren't stung multiple times by honeybees. You were stung likely by some type of wasp. But okay. uh, but we get a lot of calls about that. People are wondering about, uh, are these bees going to sting me? And then uh, the big thing this time of year is uh, swimming pools and hummingbird feeders. So... Uh, right now it's the time of the year where there's very limited stuff blooming. Uh, it's what we call the dearth. There's not nectar coming in. There's very little pollen. And so now you see honeybees where you typically wouldn't, uh, visiting hummingbird feeders. Oh, because the little flowers on the yeah, mesh. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting, I mean, they're getting sugar syrup yeah, and, sugar. and us as beekeepers, uh, sometimes there's not enough natural food for the bees. So what do we supplement with sugar syrup? And then now you're putting this sugar syrup out there hoping to feed the hummingbirds and mm-hmm. instead you get a bunch of uh honeybees visiting your thing so it's not uncommon to see them around hummingbird feeders and trash cans because uh, what we see is a lot of open trash cans you got sticky soft drinks and sure. and mm-hmm. food products that's in there it's got uh sugar in it so the right. bees are in there trying to get that uh out uh, i know i've been dealing with a problem over here at one of the gaston county parks uh with that biggest thing is uh, for those parks and recs people, keep the trash emptied out, put a, a type of trash can that has a lid on it to keep the bees out. And again, those bees are coming there for that sugar. They're not coming there to sting you. And if you're, and, you know, if you're over there swatting at them or trying to squish them, yeah, you could get stung. But right. they're not just going to fly over there by happenstance and sting you. Now, what else visits those trash cans this time of year? our little buddy that's not so nice, the yellow jacket. And uh, they will sting indiscriminately. So uh, honeybees get blamed for a lot of stings that are not even related to honeybees. But those are two of the biggest problems we face. Uh, The swimming pool issue 
It's hot. A lot of us beekeepers will put out, uh, I know I put out little, basically the little blue kiddie pools and put pea gravel in them uh, so that the bees have something uh, to go get, collect water. They need water just like we do. They use it to cool the hive, but then they also use it to drink or uh, actually help with some of the curing process for pollen and, and honey. They take water back to the hive? Yes, ma'am. Oh, cool. And so that's the cool thing about bees. They're very ingenuitive. They actually use evaporative cooling. So they'll take water back, store it in the cells just like they would nectar to make honey. Uh, they'll sit on the front entrance of the hive, pull air in. It evaporates that water, and it creates a evaporative cooling effect. So, oh, wow. Um, so they can actually cool their hive. And, in, and likewise, in the uh, wintertime, the same muscles that they use to fly with, they sit there and flex those and generate heat. So... Honeybees are very good at uh, cooling and heating their environment, uh, but that the water thing gets us in trouble a lot of times with swimming pools. Uh, the bees don't really need that chlorine salt, but mm. they're attracted to that salt because it has a scent or odor associated with it, even though we might not be able to smell it. Mm -hmm. Certainly chlorine we could, but uh, a saltwater pool, no. But the bees can smell it and taste it. And so when they take it back to the hive, well, now when they relay the message where that water source is, they can actually pass off a sample of that water and the other bees know the scent uh, and location. And so a lot of the communication is done with uh, what we would call pheromones or scents. So it makes it easier for keying in on those water sources, not so much that they really like that pool water, right. but it is a water source. So so if you keep hives, then you wouldn't keep it. You wouldn't want to keep it near a swimming pool with chlorine, or or is there is I, it, it wouldn't be so much of a problem if you're probably a beekeeper. It might be more of a nuisance for your neighbors. Uh, so what we do is, like I said, I put out the little kiddie pools uh, or bird baths and put some some kind of float or pebbles in there, and then I will actually add some of the uh, like that red salt that's for cattle, trace mineral salt. They don't really need the salt again. It's just uh, something with some scent and something to help kind of draw them in on that water source versus going to the, uh, the neighbor's swimming pool. But uh, oddly enough, it's uh, you can put a clean water source out, and there can be like a nat the nastiest, muddiest pond or puddle open up, and they'll go to that that muddy muddy water just because there's all those dissolved solids and other stuff mm. that's in there that you don't you don't see, but uh, you know they're there. But uh, so actually, sometimes the clean water doesn't work as good as that old mucky water, but uh, certainly beekeepers do provide water to kind of help uh, keep them out of the neighbor's uh, swimming pools. We're speaking with Burton Beasley. He's the president of the Beekeepers Association here in Gaston County. So how, what if, if I want to have a hive, do I need a yard? Can I do it on a patio, on a roof? How do, what does that look like? Yep. Are there, are there local policies about it that says you can't have bees in certain city limits or whatnot? All of the above. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, have, we have people that do keep them up on uh, rooftops, uh, whether it's uh, a commercial building or whether it's uh, your actual your house. Uh, there's people in uptown Charlotte have beehives on some of the high-rise buildings up oh. there. It creates a unique situation to get equipment and other stuff up and down, but right. uh, they can be kept on a rooftop. And I have seen some people fashion some stuff up on their own home roofs uh, such that they can keep the bees up there if they, if they don't have a big enough yard. Is the roof just to keep them away from your, like, daily activities, or is it better on the roof? Uh, it's not really so much better for the bees. It's just so much to get them up and away from right. foot traffic. Yeah, Yard size is, is 
it's not really a consideration for the bees, but it is for, for good neighbors. You don't want uh, beehives uh, kind of sitting right on property lines, uh, and you don't want uh, the flight paths of the bees going across your neighbor's yard because then, you know, they're out walking around and they're getting bumped in the head by bees. So um, way we way we mitigate that is, you know, if you're going to put them in a, a small urban area like that is uh, putting some kind of vegetative fencing. So what it does is you, you – get out about 10 feet away from the hives, put, say, some type of a shrub or a tree, whether it's a Leyland cypress or a ligustrum or whatever, and it forces the bees to sort of come out of the entrance and go up mm-hmm. so that it gets them up out of foot traffic. Putting them in the backyard is fine in most circumstances unless you're going to have heavy foot traffic. If you're going to have a lot of outdoor parties or mm-hmm. entertain a lot of guests or little fluffies going to be bumping up against it a lot, uh, you're going to have a, a habit of maybe a pet getting stung or somebody getting stung. As mentioned, honeybees are not very uh, defensive, but they are defensive of their hive and their queen. And when you're over there messing around the hive, they can get a little perturbed. So you don't want to put it right there where you're going to have a lot of foot traffic. And you're not limited by the space in your yard. It has no, no effect. It's not like a, a chicken or a cow where, well, I've only got a half acre, so that's all that the bees have. Uh, when they're going out flying, they're foraging anywhere from two and a half mile radius to on outwards of five miles on the extreme. So mm. that's a lot of hectare acres of land and flowers and stuff, not just your property. So you're right. not limited so much by that. Uh, the biggest thing is uh, there is sort of a gray area. I know the HOA thing comes up a lot. You know, certain HOAs have laws that don't necessarily spell out honeybees. Uh, North Carolina does have the uh, the Honeybee Act that was passed that says municipalities and, and the state government uh, cannot limit uh, or cannot restrict anybody keeping up to five hives. Oh, wow. Um, anyone. Yes, anyone. Wow. Um, but there's a gray area when it comes to HOAs because they're sort of their own legal entity. Yeah. And I know a couple of uh, beekeepers that are in the process of issuing legal challenges to HOAs now, but there is mm-hmm. sort of a gray area there as to whether honeybees constitute are they livestock? Are they agriculture? Right. <laughs> and and uh, so it's 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 a real real tight rope when it comes to HOAs. So so I guess that's my next question: is why why keep a hive? Is yeah. it good for the environment? Is it just for honey? Uh, so for lots of reasons. Um, one out of every three bites that we take are directly related to uh, pollination efforts, whether it's honeybees, bumblebees native bees, uh, moths, uh, butterflies, uh, certain types of bats pollinate, uh, and certain flies do some pollination. You know, so it's a a consorted effort there with all these different organisms uh, to help uh, help with our our food system. That's that's the biggest thing is pollination. And everybody loves honey. It's great. But that's that's the biggest thing is, is the pollination effort. With bees and beekeeping, why most people get involved is... Again, we still hear this uh, the colony collapse thing, or or there's a limited amount of bees, so I want to keep bees, and that's good. Uh, it, as mentioned, it does it raises awareness for some of these other species and other native pollinators. We're, we kind of focus too much in on honeybees, and and we get where we got this huge population of bees and beekeepers, and and we kind of lose sight of some of these other uh, right. other pollinators is one thing, but. Uh, a lot of people hear that, and that, that's where they want to get started. Uh, some people just they want some honey. Uh, some people, you know, I put a I put a garden out every year, and and I'm just seeing fewer bees and and things visiting my garden. So I want to put a couple hives out there. Uh-huh. 
Um, and then you have the other people that just uh, they want to save the world and they want to have uh, right. they want to help the environment and they want to uh, add to the bee population. And so, you know, there's lots of different reasons why people get started. Uh, how how I recommend that everyone get started. Of course, you know nobody. Nobody ever listens until they've already got <laughs> they've already got to, they've already got two hives of bees in their yeah. backyard, and then it's like, uh, what the heck do I do with these <laughs> bees? And uh, uh, Gaston County Bee Association, we have an annual bee school. It's a ten week bee school, um, and even in that ten week course, I can't teach you everything you need to know. But it's it's the best opportunity to get you started uh, in the right uh, the right direction with bees and beekeeping. And the cool thing about it is uh, we offer the certified level for the Master Beekeeper Program through the state, and we do hands-on. We have uh, mentors. We have field days out in the apiary. Um, so we do lots of, lots of training for these individuals. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, for, for the price that you pay, I, I would rather do somebody come do that, get some education. At the Gaston County Bee Association and these other beekeeping organizations around the state we're actively recruiting our own competition yeah Mm. yeah. i mean it's crazy but uh but we we want you to be successful we want you to get your bees and and those hives to thrive and you to be successful uh in this hobby or if you're choosing to make this a a side business or whatever uh, we want you to be successful and uh i think if you're going to keep bees you you need to get some education and uh better educate yourself before you just jump out there and well, I've got these bees, and I have no idea what to do with them. Right. And uh, now I found out that so and so is allergic, and maybe yeah. a, or a neighbor's got a problem, and I, I don't know how to fix it. So please do get educated if you're wanting to get started keeping bees. It's it's like any other kind of agriculture or livestock. There is a little bit of a learning curve, but it, it's uh, there's a lot of management uh, that has to be learned. But that's a good start. Is is bee school? What is something that people are always surprised about with these or that they didn't know before and they learn once they get into the process? A bee in its lifetime only makes one twelfth a teaspoon of honey. Oh, and wow. so for a 16-ounce jar of honey, and honey is weighed in net weight and like a, like a processed food product, not fluid ounces, although sometimes you see it sold in fluid ounces. For that 16 ounces net weight of honey, it takes over 2.5 million blooming flowers to make that. And as mentioned, tw- 12 bees to make a teaspoon. So when you pick up that quart of honey, you think about all the flowers, all of the different travels and visits that the bees went out to these different plants uh, to produce one-twelfth a teaspoon of honey that goes in that big jar of honey that we're going to put on, put on biscuits or put yeah. on a peanut butter and, peanut butter and honey sandwich or, or whatever we're going to use it for. That's the biggest thing. And, and there's so much work. And I don't want to dissuade anybody thinking, oh, this is just the hardest thing ever. There's so much work. But there is a lot of you know time management that the beekeeper spends. The beekeeper spends a lot of expense keeping these honeybees alive and healthy. And when you see that big jar of honey on the shelf and it's like six or eight <laughs> bucks and it's like, yeah. man, I'm, I'm not even making a part of my money back. Mm-hmm. So when you see these, these beekeepers out at the farmer's market or wherever they're at and you see that jar of honey and it's like, well, you know that's fifteen dollars. Well, yeah. I, I, you just you got to explain to the general public how much work really goes in that, and then they kind of get a appreciation, I think, for 
for all the, the effort that you put in and uh, can understand why maybe I shouldn't be buying that cheap jar honey. Maybe I should support my, my local guy over here that's charging a little bit more, but it's, uh, it's better honey. So, yeah. well, My wife is all about getting local honey because she's always talking about the, the benefits it can have because she's got allergies. And she said that like that's one of the best natural things you can get is local honey in terms of helping with your allergies. Yeah. Yeah, and they've kind of gotten us where we, we again, another conversation that we're not, not really supposed to talk about. Uh, the, uh, Those are our favorite conversations, by the, the way. Uh, <laughs> the allergists say, and, and they are right, um, the, the pollen that the bees are collecting is not airborne pollen. Okay. So the stuff that people have allergies to is airborne pollen. So uh, they say, the allergists and the doctors, that uh, it's sort of like a placebo. People take it. Mm. They think it works, therefore it works. Uh, the holistic sort of home remedy crowd has come back and said, well, we agree that that's not airborne pollen, but it does have pollen cultures in it of different types. So maybe exposing yourself to raw honey and, and those pollen cultures can help with, help with allergies. And so they're sort of at a stalemate there. Mm. Uh, I've got a lot of anecdotal people that say, just, you know, just like your wife, I take that and, and I don't have to take my allergy medicine anymore in the spring yep. or in the fall. And so there's got, there's got to be something to that, whether it's just the placebo effect or not. Of course, you know, the honey itself, if you're getting raw honey versus uh, a lot of the honey that you buy in the store has been heat pasteurized, so it takes out all the beneficial enzymes and mm. things that are found in the honey, uh, but also uh, what we call plant polyphenols. So the stuff that gives the honey that it, it's like fragrant floral scent and taste that's all wiped out by the heat pasteurization. So you lose a lot of the benefit by buying those heat pasteurized honeys versus the raw honey. So the raw honey, uh, and if you can get it there locally, uh, does have some health benefits regardless of whether it, it does or doesn't help with your allergies. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still uh, still very good. And, and local is a relative term. Um, here in North Carolina, you know, within uh, the exception of maybe some of the parts of the mountain region and the coast, uh, into Piedmont and the lower mountain region or foothills here, we have a lot of the same flowering plants. Now, uh, I will say honey varies from, I have a beekeeper that's maybe two miles up the road, and her honey is extremely dark, and my honey is extremely light. So Does it taste any different? It does. It, it does? tastes very different. So Is one so, better than the other? Yeah, I won't say who's, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's... Oh, uh, yeah, so you sell, don't you sell your... You sell I yours, do, right? I yeah. do. And it's so it's... Uh, it's very variable on what nectars and pollens and things are going to be in there, and it changes the taste and the color. Um, but for the most part, uh, we have a lot of the same plants within a 25-mile radius. And so uh, unless you're in a, you know urban setting where they've got all these really uh, cool plants that they're bringing in that are, uh, you know, bees are getting a little bit of something different. And, and it t- again, it takes a lot of blooms for those uh, bees to get a whole lot of benefit. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, certainly, you know, local is kind of a relative term, but we'd definitely like to see our uh, Gaston County people support our Gaston County beekeepers oh, and, yeah. and buy their honey. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Well, thank you all for having me and uh, hope to see everyone out at the uh, bee school this year and, uh, and certainly come out and uh, say hey to us at uh, the farming and heritage event or any of these local events that you see us out. We bring stuff like our bee zebo and observation hives where you can check out the bees. We usually do kids events and honey, honey straws or honey sticks for the kids. So uh, 
come up, say hi. Uh, you see me, I'm, I'm usually there. So come out, come out and, and just uh, give us a shout out. So we'll be there. Good awesome. deal. Burton, thank you. Yep. Thank you.